Thank you for tuning into the New Vision Podcast. Our prayer is that this talk builds your faith, brings clarity, and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. We've been spending this first series of the year focusing on prayer. Uh, first things first is, is what we've called this series because when, when we want to experience more of God and when we want more from him, then that means that I have to begin to spend more time with him. And we've covered a lot of things over these first couple of weeks as we jumped into this series. Last week was my favorite week so far. Uh, we, we learned some great things last week. And, and I know I talked to at least uh, one person afterwards that, like, their whole life was changed last week. And when I talked to them, they were like, Pastor, when you started talking about God's will, like, I know what you said was for me. And I was like, really? It was cool? He's like, yeah, because now I want to go home and eat bacon. That's what I need. So I want to remind you, if, if you missed last week, go back and watch it. But, but here is one of the highlights from last week. When it comes to God's will for your life, when you pray God's will be done in me, in this world, God's will is not like bad medicine. Woo, it is like bacon. It's always good for me. If you need turkey bacon, you can have your turkey bacon. If you need it crispy, it's crispy. If you like it soft and chewy, that's the kind of will that God has for you because his will is good for you. He is a good father with good plans for you. His will is not nasty. He's not going to force it down your throat. It is like bacon all the time. Take that in. Actually, last week was really on a pattern of prayer. We talked about praying like Jesus, but that was just a good piece that, that was good for us to be reminded of. Like so many times we, we're afraid to pray submissive prayers and, and ask God, you know, whatever you want, because we're afraid that whatever he wants for us is going to be the worst thing we could pick. But it is, again, it's like break, bacon. We started last week looking at how we could pray like Jesus. And I hope that you tried how Jesus prayed and how he taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. And if you tried and it didn't work or you only got through a, a couple of things, we went through six areas last week. I promise the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Uh, yesterday during our, our prayer time here at the church, I stood right over there and I walked through all of those. And, man, it was so simple. It was so easy for me to remember those, those six things. And as I stepped through it, it just encouraged me with each one. Like, man, I got this. I got this. Oh, Man, the more you do it, the more consistent you become with it, the more it begins to feel natural. And here's the great thing about prayer. The more we pray, um, the more things begin to change. Or let me, let me put it like this. Um, when you and I work, when we work to get something done, we work. But the great thing about prayer is when I begin to pray, God goes to work. And that's when things really start to change. And I love that, that prayer is something that it may or may not change the circumstance but if I pray and God goes to work, he always goes to work right here first. And for me, that's great news because I don't know if you're like me, but I would imagine most of us have one or two things in our world, in our life that we hope to change. And we've tried to change and, and we want God, we need God's help to make this thing happen. Because we have tried. Some of us at the beginning of the year, we said, this is the year that this addiction stops. That I stop visiting these websites, that I stop doing these other things. Some of us have been like, you know what, I'm getting healthy this year. Or whatever it may be, like there are portions of our lives that we have said, you know what, I got this. And we are still frustrated at ourselves because we don't got this. And that's the great thing about prayer. Because how God intended for our lives to be lived out is with his power moving in us and through us. 
And so when we need help to accomplish those things, to drive sin out of our life, to be free from addiction, to live the life that he wants us to live, guess what? The more time I spend with him in prayer, the easier those things become because that's how he intended life to be. So let's determine to be a people of prayer. Let's determine to be a people that pray first because prayer shouldn't be pulling the fire alarm when emergencies pop up. Prayer should be our first response and not our last resort. And Mel said this, and we've said this every week as we've jumped into this. And so I want you to to get the, the key parts in this. We are going to be a people that prayer is our first response. Say first response, not a last resort. So we're going to be people that prayer is our and not a, that's right, we want to pray first. We want to bring God into each situation with us in prayer. See, prayer is supposed to be easy. We've made it so complicated. We've made it chaotic and confusing. And oftentimes we've only confined it to one portion of our day. And this morning I want to talk to you about moving prayer from a line item in our calendar to a lifestyle. And and as we jump into this, I'm going to pray here in a moment. I want to challenge you because some of us are going to be like, as I get into this, like we're going to talk about giving it some space and room and all of that. And you're going to be like, well, how does that make it a lifestyle, Pastor? If you're talking about just focusing in one area, well, what happens is once I begin to get good at it in one area, it begins to permeate through the rest of my day. And, and, and I'll get to that, but I want to encourage you, man, if prayer is something that you've struggled with, we have all struggled. The enemy has, has tried to convince you that you're the only person, that everyone else in this room is an expert. We are prayer warriors. We get on our knees. We pray for hours every day, and you're the only one who doesn't get it right. I'm telling you, that is not true. Most of us have struggled in this area, but hopefully over these last couple of weeks, you've been encouraged, and today I'm going to help you and help me to be reminded, man, I can, I can move this from one thing to being involved in all areas of my life as it becomes more of who I am. Let's pray together. Jesus, we, uh, we're so grateful to be in this house, in this room, to have experienced your presence this morning, and God, I pray that wherever um, we are at right now, if we're in the room, if we're at home, in our cars, wherever it may be, Lord, I pray that you would speak to each and every one of us today. I pray that as I communicate your word to your people, that you would speak individually, that you would uh, call people in, into following you more closely. You would challenge us all to spend more time with you. However that looks, Lord, you know the areas that we struggle in. And so, Lord, I pray that as I'm speaking, you would be speaking and you would change hearts this morning. God, we thank you that we get to spend time together in your house and in your word. And Lord, I pray that you would anoint me as I communicate your word this morning. Help me to do it clearly and confidently so that people hear your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. As you're turning there, um, we're at the end of this book. There's two letters that Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, and this is the end of the first book. And as he's wrapping it up, he begins to, to drop like these golden nuggets of advice. And he's talking about honoring each other and respecting each other, uh, being patient and encouraging each other. And then he says this in verse 16. He says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. And when I hear that, I think, whoa, 
did anyone else notice what Paul just said? Because there are a lot of people that I sit down and have conversations with and, and like, Pastor, man, I, I'm struggling with what's, what's my life supposed to be about? Like, does God have, have a will for me? Like, what is his will? Besides it being bacon, like, what else is it? Well, if we look at what Paul said, God's will for me is very simple. And so if you're struggling with that, if you're wondering where your place is or your path or what God intends for your life, he intends for you to be close to him. Look at, look at what he says. He says to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and to always be thankful. These are all things that we can do when we spend time with him, when we are close with him. I mean, it, when you begin to look at it in other translations, I, I'll admit, I looked at the New Living Translation, it said never stop praying. And I thought, all right, you just put that out of reach for me. Like, how do you do that? How do you go about your day and never stop praying? Because we all know if I walked around like, you know what, Jesus, I'm just praying right now. I'm just going to move into Jesus' place. And then I begin to have a conversation with you, and then I just kind of move on. Jesus, I pray that as I'm taking these steps right now, that you would be with me. And on and on. Like, no one's going to think that's normal, right? So, how are we supposed to do this? How do we pray without ceasing? Because we can't continue to mutter under our breath the whole time. People would think that we're a little strange. And then I begin to think, you know what, as my relationship grew with Mel, th there was a point where, um, think about your, your relationships. When they first started out, it's like, hey, can I call you tomorrow? Hey, I'm going to text you later. You know, now it might be text messages. You know, back in the day, you actually talked to people on the phone. Um, <clears throat> can I call you later? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What time? Ah, about seven. And then you talk on the phone for a little bit. And then, you know, the more comfortable you get, the more it's just like, hey, call me. And then it's any time. And then now, like, I can go my whole day knowing that there will be moments of, of all day, it feels like, where I'm in constant communication with her. And it, it's so strange because I'm not muttering underneath my breath. I'm not on the phone with her. I didn't leave it off the hook, and I'm wandering around with her just, like, on the phone. But there's moments when I'm texting her, talking about her day, and then I see that she's read it, and I'm waiting for her to respond back. I like to flirt with her in text messages. Hey, girl, that's, that's my favorite one to text. And then when I see that she's read it, I'm like, oh, what's she going to send back? Then you see those three dots, right, if you got an iPhone. If you don't have an iPhone, that's not God's will for your life. You need to, because <clears throat> I get to see when she's texting me, like, it brings an added portion. So when Paul tells us to never stop praying or pray without ceasing, it's not that we're supposed to just continue to ramble on and on and but it's that we begin to look forward to our conversation with God, that we keep an open-ended conversation with him throughout the day. And sometimes that's so far-fetched for us because we, we don't think that that's how prayer should work, but it's a relationship with God, and the relationship right here is teaching me at times how I can interact with God. And the more comfortable I get, the more I take it from being one spot in my life to a whole part of my day, that's a growing thing. It will happen over time. And so it, it's, it's great. I can now bring God into every situation. I don't have to just pray in the morning and say, you know what, God, I give you my day. I can start there. But then when something else happens in my day, I can bring him into that situation. That's what praying without ceasing and never stop praying looks like. I'm in constant conversation. I'm staying in constant contact with him throughout the day. Because prayer isn't just supposed to be an event in our day, but something that happens throughout our day. Just like my relationship with my wife is constantly evolving. We're constantly communicating about things. And, and man, there is something about having that continued connection with God. 
Jesus talked about this in John chapter 15 as he's writing or as he's speaking to his disciples and then as it's recorded for you and I, he says it like this. You, you probably have heard this. It says, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. And those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And what Jesus is saying is, man, when we get into that constant relationship with the source, if he is divine and I'm an extension of who he is, then all of the life that I'm getting is coming from him. And I can be in that constant contact with him. That connection with him can happen all the time. It's not something that, that I just have to experience once. It, it, think about it like this. You want to take the experience that you have today, this feeling of being in his presence with his people, and you want to extend that into each day of your week. You don't just want it to be in one port. God, God has no desire to just be your Sunday morning God. He doesn't want you to just experience his presence right now. He doesn't want to be your once a month God or your Christmas Sunday, God, or your Easter Sunday, God, he wants to give you a life like you're supposed to be living it. He wants you to experience the richness of all that he has for you. And it comes, just like Jesus said, from remaining in him, from being tied to him and connected with him over and over. So how do we do that? How can we take prayer from a line item in our day and turn it into a lifestyle? Again, I think that our best bet is to go and look at how Jesus did it. And then we can look at a few things as we walk through how he did it that will hopefully help us to make prayer go from a line item to a lifestyle. So we're going to jump now. I, I needed to give you this disclaimer earlier. We're going to jump through a few different places in Scripture. And so if you can't keep up, because sometimes I talk fast, if I go too quickly for you, it's going to pop up here on the screen. So if you can't flip through your Bible quick enough or change your app quick enough, it will pop up on the Bible on the big screen right here just for you. So turn with me now to Luke's Gospel. It's the third book in the New Testament. And as we look at Luke, the reason why a lot of what we're going to look at next in, in what we see Jesus do is because Luke records some great aspects of Jesus' prayer life. We see it in other Gospels, and I'm going to reference some of that. But Luke does a really good job of giving us some insight to how Jesus did what he did when it came to prayer. So Luke chapter 4, verse 42, very simple, very short verse. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The first thing, if you want to move prayer from a line item to a lifestyle, the first thing that you have to do is make prayer a priority. Prayer has to be a priority. Luke shows us that Jesus gets up and gives God the very first part of his day. And in Scripture, when you look through, firsts are very important. Because what you do with your firsts affects the rest of what you have. Think about first fruits. If you go back through scripture in the Old Testament, especially, and you begin to look at this idea of giving and giving your first fruits, it's less about the amount and the tithe that you're bringing in and more about who you're honoring with the first fruit. It's about who gets priority, who gets thanked, who gets honored for what you have in your hand. It shows that before anything and anyone else, God gets priority. And what I do with the first has the ability to affect the rest. And when I give God my first, it's saying, you know what, God, I'm going to give you my first. I'm going to trust you for the rest. And I'm going to ask you to bless the rest. And that's what first fruits does. That's what we see. So you can begin to give God the first words and the first moments of your day. 
if you begin to give him your first moments and your first words, they have the power to bless the rest of your day. See, we, we understand this in the opposite. Some of us have woken up on the wrong side of the bed. Whether that's the literal wrong side of the bed or you just woke up cranky. And you have a sign that you carry around that just says steer clear. Just says steer clear. Some of us wear it on our foreheads. Others of us refuse to smile that day. But we get it on that side of it. But I want you to understand that when we begin to give God our first moments and our first words, and it doesn't have to be you got to get up and give God one-tenth of your day right from the start. No, I'm just saying, man, when you get up out of bed, what if instead of grabbing your phone to check the weather or Facebook or, or sitting down, turning on the news, whatever it may be that you normally do for the very first moments of your day, what if you just acknowledge God? Man, you know what, God, thanks for waking me up today. Man, this is going to be a great day. God, I give you my day. I don't know what's in store, but you do. And that gives me confidence that I can roll through my day. And then I begin to go get ready. And you get into your pattern of, of doing what you're doing. It's why church is on Sunday. This is the first day of the week. It's not an accident that this is when we gather together because what we do with the first of our week should set the tone for the rest of our week. Do you see how, how we're getting this? Like the first things affect the rest of the things. So we have to make this a priority. Prayer has to be a priority. You can't just want to pray better, pray more, to make it a lifestyle. It's not gonna happen if all you have is I want to, not I'm going to, and I am doing it. I need to make it a priority. You can't spend more time focusing on prioritizing meal planning and physical fitness and all of the things, your drop-off and pick-up schedules. Some of us are super organized and we have everything laid out and we prioritize that. We spend time Sunday nights going over our week. We spend time when things change. We, we, you can't spend more time prioritizing, prioritizing those things than you do prayer. We, we have to be able to give God a little bit more. And, and this isn't, well, pastor, man, I'm just busy. I can't, I can't always make it happen. I, I wanted to. This isn't about intentional, but about being intentional. It's not just good intentions. That's great. That's great. But let's be intentional now. Let's now make this a priority. If it is important, I make it a priority, and then it happens. For some of us in the room, you need to make an appointment in your calendar with God and keep it. That's how we know and you know that something is important when it ends up on your calendar. If it's on your phone or if it's written down somewhere, some of you still love writing down uh, your calendar. You have your planner that sits out on your desk at home so that everybody can see it. And you need to write down an appointment with God and keep it. Make prayer a priority. When I begin to make prayer a priority, problems don't have the same effect on me. When the life changes, because we all know that life changes. For some of us, it changes like that. Just let somebody call you and say, hey, we were hanging out yesterday. I, I got COVID, so you're going to probably need to. And then you start feeling, and then now the next five to ten days is changing like that. See, but when I begin to make prayer a priority, those problems don't have the ability to affect my faith like they once did. God, what's going on? I don't understand why you would let this happen to me. Why would you do No, no, no. I begin to, to rely on who he is, and I go back to the same things that, that I've done. Watch what, what Daniel does. In, in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, um, they made a law that said that you can't pray to anyone except the king. 
And when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home, he knelt down as usual. In his upstairs room with its window open towards Jerusalem, he he prayed three times a day just as he always had done, giving thanks to his God, just as he always had done. Can you imagine what it's going to be like in six months from now when that verse isn't just about Daniel, but it's about you? That something crazy happened at work and it didn't affect you. You just, you went about your day and you prayed to your God just as you usually did. That the outside world doesn't have the uh, ability to shake your faith anymore because you're staying in constant connection with God just as you always have. You got a relationship with him that outside things can't touch because he is the source. Nothing else is the source but him. The next thing that you need to do, the second thing, write this down, is you need to make a place to pray. We need to make prayer a priority, and now we need to make a place to pray. In Luke 5, 16, it says Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. And the more you look at at how Jesus prayed, he prayed in certain places. More often than not, we see this phrase over and over in Scripture, Jesus got away to the wilderness. Jesus slipped away into the wilderness. He prayed all night in the wilderness. We see later on towards the end of his life that it says that he would go to the Mount of Olives, to the Garden of Gethsemane, just as he usually would to pray. You and I need to make a place to pray. And Jesus, I think, teaches us that the place can be different. The wilderness is one spot. Why did he go to the wilderness? Well, because people weren't there. And he got to get away from the distraction and from the noise and from the things that would pull on him. And so some of us have been unsuccessful in our times of prayer and making prayer a lifestyle because we keep our phone out and on right in front of us. Or we keep the TV on, but pastor, I got it muted. Yeah, but you and I both know if something pops up, you're like, oh, wait, I don't want to miss that. And you unmute it, and it pulls you away from the time that you told God you were going to give him. So what does your place look like? Jesus was... In the wilderness, at other times it was up on the mountain. The Mount of Olives had an incredible view of the city of Jerusalem. And I don't think it was by accident that that's where Jesus chose to pray. So where can you pray? Where can be your place? Places that have significance, places that you just, man, I'm in the car every day. How about that's my place? I don't have a place in my house. I got kids running around all the time. They don't understand what a door closed means, so I got to figure out something else. That's okay, too. Like, the place doesn't have to be like you have to make a prayer closet. Do that if you can. And if that works for you, I tell people on Saturday when we come in for prayer, like, pray your best way. If that's kneeling down, pray like that. I'm a pacer. When I pray, I'm pacing here. I'm walking all over the place. Like that's how I enjoy praying. It helps me to do that. And I pray ready to respond to what God may say to me. And so I want to be ready for that as well. So what is it for you? Do you need music? Do you need loud music? Some of us need absolute quiet. Others of us like me, man, I got to have headphones in or music on or something like that. I want to set an atmosphere. That's how I pray best. What's your place like? And, and find a place. And if tomorrow it's one area and on Tuesday it's another area on, on Wednesdays, that's okay. Like find these places. And again, like I'm talking about making a, a spot and a time so that once we do this, it becomes a part of who we are. It becomes easier to do. Just like the conversations with me and Mel. We used to make appointments and say, call me after a certain time. And now it's just call whenever. But we started at certain places, certain times. Do those things and it will become an everyday, all day type thing. 
Mark 135 tells us that Jesus uh, does both of these things all the time. It says, oftentimes Jesus would go away to the wilderness early in the morning and pray. He made it a priority and he found his place. So do both of those things. Um, don't get caught up in the place. It's about finding Jesus is our hiding place. It's about going to him, looking to him, carving out space where we forget everything else and we can focus on him. Here's the next thing that you need. In Luke 11, uh, we talked about this last week. It says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And then Jesus turned to him and said, this is how you should pray. The third thing we need is to make a plan for prayer. We need to make a plan. I tell dating couples this, especially if you're, you're new. Most of us, uh, we begin to date uh, not because we don't like each other, but because we do like each other. And so if you don't have a plan for your date, um, oftentimes we can open ourselves up to crossing lines and boundaries and getting a little bit more physical than we, what we ought to be doing. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? We could just hang out, right? No, no, no. You're worth somebody planning a day around you, a date around you. Well, well why is that? Because, hey, let's just come over to my house and hang out. Let's just see what happens. Those are the, the times when there's no plan that can cause us problems later on. So let's have a plan. When I, when I go into my prayer time, what am I going to think about doing? Plans are great to have. And, and like the old saying is, when I fail to plan, then I, see, you know it. If I fail to plan, then I plan to fail. So what will you pray? And that's why we spent last week talking about what will I pray? What's the pattern that I can pray? How did Jesus pray? Because they wanted to know how to pray like him. And so he told them, well, we acknowledge God. Then we advance his kingdom. Then we depend on him for everything. We deal with our heart. We dive into the battle. We declare faith in God's ability to do what we've asked him to do. Six areas Jesus focused on. And you can step through those, spending a minute or two on each one. And man, your prayer time can grow. Find a plan and then work it. And I hope that you step through those six areas. If, if that doesn't work for you, that's why we have the Pray First booklets that have a couple different options of patterns to pray that you can learn how to pray. If you don't like paper and you're like, I don't want a booklet, there's a Pray First app that you can download that has the same thing. I give you scriptures to pray over your life and over your families. It gives you other patterns that you can pray. I want you to have options here. What else? How else can I pray? Well, you can make a prayer list. And as things happen, you can jot it down and know what you're going to come in and pray about. This happened yesterday. I had a great friend of ours text um, me and Mel on Friday night and say, hey, I'm not going to be there Saturday morning, but here are four things that I would love for you to pray about. And so as I was praying yesterday, I pulled my phone out, I looked at my list, and I began to pray over each of those things and pray for my family and pray on and on. Like, make a list of what's important. What do you want to pray for in your prayer time? And then be ready to respond to what God is saying to you. For some of you, you need to have a journal nearby so that you can write down what God drops on you. Or you can have your phone. I use my notes app oftentimes because every now and then if God says something to me, I don't want to make the mistake of being like, oh, that was so good. I'll remember that later. And then I don't remember it later. And then I'm upset with myself, right? So don't do that. Be ready to respond because it's not all about just me talking that my pattern and my plan for prayer can have an opportunity for me to listen and respond to what God is saying. The last part today. So we've got three things. We're going to make it a priority. We're going to make a place and a plan. But I want you to meet the persons of prayer. 
Not the people of prayer, the persons of prayer. You see, we, we believe that, that God shows himself throughout Scripture in, in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so I want to talk to you about them because if we can begin to connect relationally to each of these areas, it brings meaning into our prayer time. You see, most of us, we love Jesus. We don't have a problem with him. He's a good guy. Man, we've seen the chosen. You see that smile, the way he looks? Ugh, that's Jesus right there. Like, we don't have any problem with him. Those other two guys, we're a little uncertain about them. Because, you know, if you were like me and you grew up Pentecostal, you've seen some weird stuff blamed on the Holy Spirit. We're just going to be honest. People did some stuff, and we're just like, man, that seems strange. I mean, it's the Holy Ghost. Like, even to say that sometimes feels strange. There's a ghost. And he is holy. Explain that. You know what I mean? So sometimes we have some reservations like, ah, I don't know if I can get down with him. And then other times when, when we have experiences that make us think like, you know, God's love is performance-based. Or, or that he's a mean God and he, he's keeping Italian. All he's really about is disciplining you when you step out of line. He doesn't really care about you. God is mean. He's always mad at you. If you begin to think those things, they affect our prayer. We talked about that last week, that our prayers reflect what we think about God. And so it's important that we meet the persons of prayer so that it can enhance our prayer time. So maybe you've had a, a, a different view or an off view of, of God the Father, or even the Holy Spirit. And so today I want the opportunity to reintroduce you to the persons of prayer. And I want to take you to 2 Corinthians real quick. And this is Paul uh, reintroducing his readers to the persons of who God is. Here's what he says in, in chapter 13, verse 14. The amazing grace of the Master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. So this morning I want to introduce you to Jesus. In the words that Paul wrote about him, I want you to meet the amazing grace of Jesus. See, because in the role of prayer, when I begin to pray, Jesus is carrying our prayers to the Father. Scriptures tell us that there is one mediator between God and man, and his name is Jesus. And so I want you to think about that. I want you to think that Jesus is the bridge between us and God. And so as we begin to want to get there, he's extending his hand towards us and extending his hand toward God. That this was so important, this connection between us and God was so important that it was important for you that he gave his life to make a permanent way for you to get to the Father. He wanted you to be able to have that connection, to always be able to get to him. So he said, you know what? I'll be the bridge. I'll pay the price. I'll fill in the gap. I'll be the constant connection between us and them. And then I, I want you to imagine how Hebrews 4 talks about this. It says that Jesus is sitting next to the Father. and He's talking to him about you. And he's saying, you know what? Um, Mel, Mel's praying right now. Can, hey, li listen, listen to what she's praying. Listen to her heart right now. God, do you hear how much she wants? Dad, Dad, do you hear what she's saying right now? Come on, listen. Oh. You know what? God, Dad, when she prays, oh. Man, did you see her in worship today? Man, she just filled my heart. 
And I can imagine that those are the words between uh, God the Son and God the Father because today, as, as my daughter led that last song, I just kept looking up and I was so excited as her father. Looking at her loving on Jesus and lifting her voice and worshiping him, and I was just like, oh my gosh, Jesus, are you seeing my girl right now? Hebrews also tells us that Jesus knows what it's like to live like us. That he knows what it's like to be me and you. So when we pray about that temptation... He's looking at his dad like, man, I was tempted. Man, that was hard. When, when the devil took me all these places and offered me these things, temptation is no joke. Uh, dad, we need to help them. We need to give them a little bit extra strength today. We need to be on their side. Man, I know what that's like. You know what? She's praying about her friends leaving her right now. Man, I know what it's like because people turn their back on me. People left me. People that told me they would be with me to the very end, they walked out on my life. You know what? I, I know exactly how she feels. We need, we need to love her a little bit more today. Can we begin to, to roll out some of the extra things that we have in store? Like these are the conversations that happen as Jesus carries our prayers to the Father. His grace, the amazing grace of Jesus, the grace that Paul writes about in Corinthians. And he says, you know what? I'm, I'm struggling and I, I want all of these things to be gone, this thorn in the flesh. And the response that, that God gives him is my grace is sufficient. There's power that's available to you in your weakness. His grace is greater. If you're struggling with sin this morning, his grace is sufficient for you. If you're struggling with an addiction, his grace is greater. If there's something that you wish to be free from, he can give you power through the grace, the amazing grace of Jesus. He can help you to overcome those things. And then Paul says the extravagant love of the Father. And I think sometimes we miss this because our relationship with our earthly fathers have impacted our view of our heavenly father. For some of us, we don't, we don't have that connection at all. We don't know what the love of a father is like because our father has never been around. And for others of us, our experience with our father here has been like, well, if that's what a father is, I'm good. I don't need a heavenly father because I sure didn't need this earthly father. And I get all of those things. And, and there were times in my own life where me and my dad, we didn't see eye to eye and we didn't always get along. But there came a time that, man, I talked to him every day. I would pick up the phone for dumb stuff, something I would hear on the radio or see, and I'm calling him just something quick. I just wanted to hear his voice, just wanted to tell him something, and I would hang up. And when I would see him, there wasn't a time before my dad died, there, there wasn't a time that I would show up to his house and he wouldn't pull me in for a hug kiss me on my forehead, remind me that I was his son and tell me how much he loved me and was proud of me. It didn't always happen in my life, but it happened towards the end of his life and the end of our relationship. And it was such an incredible feeling, enough so that I don't want my kids to ever doubt. So every day I grab them, I tell them they're my best kids, I kiss them, I love them, I hug them. And there'll be a day when they don't want that from me and I'll chase them around the house to let them know that that's who they are. I want them to know the extravagant love of their father. And our heavenly father loves us so very much. Let me just let you hear what the psalmist writes in Psalm 103. It says, the Lord is compassionate and merciful. He's slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love 
towards those who fear him is as great as the heights of the heaven above the earth. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Then the last persons of prayer. Paul says, I want you to know the amazing grace of Jesus. Let me reintroduce you to the extravagant love of the Father. And now let me tell you about the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. See, when Jesus was getting ready to to leave the earth, he told the disciples, hey, if I go, it's better for you because I'm going to leave and then the helper will come. And, And the Greek word there is called a paraclete, which you know, for some of us that played sports, we're like, yeah, a pair of cleats. Like, you just need that to play football. No, no, no. A paraclete is a helper, but, but it's, it's not just someone who, like, helps you do things. The Greek word there for helper is someone who stands with you with their arm around you and says, hey, you ready to go? Let's walk out together. I got you. Let's keep walking like this. You need some help today? I got you. We're right here. The Holy Spirit goes with us. He is present all the time. Think about this. When you don't know what to pray, the helper is with you to communicate on your behalf, to lift up your prayers. When I'm struggling and I can't vocalize, I can't put words to the feelings that I have, there's the Holy Spirit helping me right there, helping me to pray, communicating my heart, taking what's going on on the inside and allowing God to see that, to hear that. And he's there for us. He's there to help us. He goes with us after the prayer. This is what I love. After we say amen, the Holy Spirit's like, all right, let's go do this. Let's go be about what we just prayed about. You need strength? I got you. Let's go. You need wisdom tomorrow? I got you. Let's go. You need help making decisions? I got you. You know what? Tomorrow you're going to forget who you are. Guess who's going to remind you? I got you. I'm your helper. I'm your friend. Let's get into an intimate relationship with you because you need to remember who God says you are. You need to remember who God is and you need to remember what he told you. You need to remember what he's already spoken to you in his word. You need to remember the words that he gave just to you. And since we're such great friends and I'm in this with you, I'm going to remind you of those things. And as we grow together, you're going to see the fruit of our relationship. You're going to be more like Jesus. Love is going to pop up and grace is going to pop up and patience is going to pop up. All these things happen because we have an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. You see, when we truly meet the persons of prayer, it changes how we pray. God's not mad at you. He's not sitting there with the scowl on his face. It's a smile. And Jesus is there nudging him like, hey, pay attention. Dad, dad, watch this. Check him out. And then as we pray, the Holy Spirit is championing us on. Let's go. Let's do this together. I got strength that you need. I got power that you need. You want all this stuff to happen. Let's go together. What if we begin to think about the persons of prayer like that as we begin to pray each day? That there is amazing grace in Jesus. That there is extravagant love from the Father and friendship with the Holy Spirit. I mean, what if prayer could be something that we begin to look forward to instead of something that we keep saying, man, I just want to be better. What if it's something that, man, I can't wait till tomorrow. I can't wait to talk to God a little bit later. I can't wait until I get to spend some time with him. What if it becomes like that? Close your eyes with me for a moment and just picture yourself as a person of prayer. 
Let go of all the reasons that you haven't been in the past. And let's picture yourself a month from now, six months from now, a year from now as a person that prays first. That as your kids are leaving for school, as you hug them, you're like, man, Jesus, give them a great day. Be with them, watch over them. Ah, now go. As you get in your car on your way to work, you're praying about work, about the car ride. As you get out and you're walking onto your floor, you're praying with God as your day begins. Before that meeting happens, you're asking God for wisdom and guidance. All of these things that you became a person of prayer. A person that makes prayer a priority. That's found a place. And there's a plan that's working. Because now you know the person's it has exploded your opportunity to pray. It has exploded your heart and say, man, I, I got this. I'm in this. These people love the persons. Is about, they're about me. And prayer has now became not just something that you do, but it's become a part of who you are. That sometimes it just happens like you're breathing. You're not thinking about it, man. You just find yourself praying find yourself in constant connection with God and as life shifts and it's unstable you still find yourself secure in your footing because you're connected to the source of who really brings you life this morning I believe that God has been speaking as we've stepped through these four areas, if we talked about making prayer a lifestyle and not a line item, I believe that he's been speaking to each and every one of us because I prayed it before and asked for him to do that. And so during the response time, respond to what God has been saying. You need to make a commitment today to make him a priority. You need to pull your phone out and make an appointment on your calendar right now. Do you need to tell God, you know what, here's the place Here's the plan. This is what I'm going to do. Do you need to just embrace the persons of prayer? You've really only been, been walking with one or two of the persons of who God is. And just, Today, man, I got it. I'm all three. I'm all in. God, help me to make this a part of who I am. So as the worship team sings, it's an opportunity for you to have a conversation with God about what he's been speaking to you about prayer. prayer is that this message impacted you. We would love to hear your story and have you partner with us financially as we work to spread the life-changing story of Jesus. You can do this at newvisiongrandview.com.